0: Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com, BlueNile.com. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know that I'm working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm -hmm. So the sleep that I do get, has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes Mm -hmm. i want The Bachelor? uh, That book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will Mm. sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland.
1: Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains-like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin.
0: R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's It's the the Game of Roses. roses. Welcome to to the the Game game of Roses. roses. This
1: This is is the Game of Roses. roses. Welcome to to the Game of roses. Roses. This is a game of time,
0: and for her to be getting a whole day and me having literally zero. I feel like she has a major head start on everyone here.
1: Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case.
0: This used to be Bachelor Clues. Now there is just <laughs> oh, no. the dried husk of a Bachelor Clues because I have ascended. I have shed my skin and become something new through tonight's episode. Oh, God. I cannot believe uh-huh. what we saw tonight every fucking portion yeah. i had to pause i had to think about it and realize that this was the real world what i was seeing was actual this is not a hallucination we it was are, not your dream come true well yeah it is it's a dream for both of us come true we have talked for a very long time on the show about the coming of the professional era where all players in the game were going to be astute They would at least know that they were playing a game, if not have active and very high-level strategies, and we're seeing it now. There was not a moment of this game where the majority of the players didn't understand exactly what was happening, what was coming next, and in some cases, they were executing strategies that were beyond fucking belief. We are in a new era of the highest-level play we've ever seen.
1: The professional era. I got to agree with you. I mean... We anticipated this after PP season where we had Madison Pruitt and Hannah Anslus, super players, but the amount of people who are playing the game, I mean, literally everything we saw was play basically.
0: And even just the understanding of things that happen within the context of the game. And, no, and we're going to get to it. We're going to hit all of these points as we go through this episode and really break down the significance because some of this shit may seem inconsequential. But when you've watched every goddamn episode of this show, back to back to back, <laughs> to back to back to back to back for 24 fucking seasons, you start to see this is not normal. Some of these things that these players are doing subtly, like we've never seen some of these things before.
1: The language that they're using, the reactions that they're having to situations... It's all of a, of a piece.
0: And indicative of this deeper understanding of the game. Now, we're also not exactly saying it's because they all listen to Game of Roses and they understand <laughs> the game fundamentally Clues on a better is level. is saying but that, though. I'm not saying it. It's just true. That,
1: that's no, what I'm saying. I, <laughs> I know for a fact that at least one player, Sydney does not because she did a closed leg to during this episode oh, unless God. that was a direct attack at you.
0: She's insulting me through her play.
1: Yeah. She's like, I listen to gore and you know what? Fuck clues. Oh I'm going to do a virginal hoo like Madison Pruitt. If, as long as she listens, I'm fine with that.
0: Uh, but we are extremely <laughs> excited to present you all with what we are about to present you. This is gameplay analysis of week one, the first real week, which some players acknowledged even in the game, which we're about to get to, and... It really was mind-blowing, and this is going to be a pleasure to do. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses.
1: We start the episode with another clip from what we're going to see later that episode. This time, it is mid-rose ceremony. We see a bunch of fucking women who already have roses. Did you notice this?
0: Yeah, they just give it right away.
1: Kit, Serena P, and someone collapses. I couldn't tell who it was. Did you know?
0: I did not know.
1: And they said, I'm blacking out. I can't see. And then we go back in time. Birds are chirping. There's goats in a field. (laughs) And Matt James runs by.
0: Those were goats?
1: Were they not goats?
0: I don't know. They were too far in the distance for me to tell what they were. I could tell they were creatures, and I was like, is this going to be my creature of the week? I don't know what that creature is, but it could be my creature of the week. I don't know, but there were creatures. We're getting creatures right up front. That's a good, good sign.
1: Wait, getting creatures right up front is a good sign? Good sign of what?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good sign it's going to be a fun game. I love creatures. (laughs) the more creatures the better and this episode had a lot of becomes which a we will full be
1: creature to. podcast <laughs> that's the only part we talk about
0: <laughs> uh and then matt james comes running through the countryside he's jogging around
1: does a peloton ad
0: what was the peloton ad
1: oh my god this is be- right before he showers we see a close-up of a peloton bike and then it pans up and it's matt james an oh, ad
0: i didn't even realize that was peloton
1: We got clip, creature, ad.
0: (laughs) Clip, creature, ad. Abs come after the ad. Oh, God. I take it back.
1: We're not in the professional era of course. That was terrible. (laughs) What? (laughs) How dare
0: you? (laughs) Matt James is in the fucking shower for what? Seems to be four and a half hours. He is scrubbing the shit out of his nude torso, and we are being treated to something that they did with Sean Lowe. He was another very Christian lead who they turned into a sex symbol on the show, so much so that he was forced to take his shirt off by a group of sorority sisters when they did a crash the viewing party with DLH toward the end of that season.
1: By the way, I mean, they they objectify every bachelor but they do it in slightly different ways like we never got a close up of pp's abs in the shower we got a far away of him hosing himself down on a plane
0: <laughs> that was the only time we saw him without a shirt on that wasn't like in a pool or a hot tub
1: Or what did we see colton colton we probably saw him showering
0: oh for sure we did
1: ari we probably no, saw ari I'm like fixing sure. his hair
0: yeah he i could see ari in a towel in the mirror but here Matt James is right straight up front. We're getting long slow shots panning up his body as the water cascades down his chiseled physique.
1: Sarah Trot, Cleveland's nemical in here. She goes, it's one of the most stunning places I've ever seen in my entire life. It's a beautiful place to fall in love. And they, all of the women walk up the road in casual wear in a horizontal line. And into like a hotel lobby, what we will later come to know as the Matto, coined by Chelsea Vaughn. Coined by her, maybe. Maybe. or coined by the
0: producers. Said by her, yes. So whatever she's doing, it's good play. Whether the producers wrote this for her or whether she went to the producers, either way, they had to get that shot of her. This was a setup. She is just reading a script here. This is pure acting and done pretty well, I have to say it gives her this little moment in the beginning she's going to set the tone for the show uh the women are all popping champagne in this scene as well and as you're saying this is the I love Cleveland and what that means is there is always a little scene in every season usually it's on a travel portion where the women go to some town and they come into their hotel And they jump on the beds and they're like, oh, my God, this city's beautiful. We dubbed that the I Love Cleveland because they were forced to do that literally in Cleveland on PP season.
1: They often show included in this B-roll of the hotel that doesn't even have the women in it. They must have asked all the women if they were in sororities because they're all talking about how they're not here to be in a sorority.
0: And then D.O.H. makes his first appearance. He enters the inauguration room in a kind of all-black Neo Matrix-style cool guy jacket, which every once in a while they'll put him in something like this. Oh, hi, everybody. And he specifically comes to Abigail and congratulates her on her big FIMP win from last week. That's the first impression, Rose. And the women also say, it wasn't just the FIMP, Dark Lord Harrison. She got the first kiss. This was the first moment. We're barely into the show, and I'm like, holy fucking shit. She didn't get the first kiss. That's a lie. The first kiss went to Alana Milne, who did her limo exit. She came out, had a bowl of spaghetti, forced them to do a Lady in the Tramp that ended in a kiss. Here, the show is recognizing the FIMP is important in this game, and so is the first kiss, and they are constructing a story for Abigail by giving her that award that she didn't actually get.
1: Yeah. No, they're not highlighting Alana. They're highlighting Abigail. Um, I feel like we've seen DLH congratulate FIMP recipients before, but this is the first time where it's like, oh, and first kiss, that's also a prize in this game.
0: Could not agree more. This was the first moment of tonight where I was like, the game is crystallizing around it now. Even DLH is involved. The players are putting up this person as having the first kiss. God, it was great. Great to see. And then DLH explains that there are going to be two one-on-ones and a group date, but not everyone will get a date. This happens on some seasons. Some seasons it doesn't. Some seasons everybody gets a date. Some seasons some people get left out. And this amps up the competition level.
1: He says it's because there's a record number of women that they can't all go on dates. Do three group dates with equal numbers like season one. Solution found, DLH. Kayla says, if I don't get a date with Matt, I know I will always be thinking, what if, and that will kill me. Chelsea, after doing the first toast to the matt now reads the date card. She's not wasting a single moment. I believe in the gore era, all of the women are going to be competing to get the toasts.
0: And this moment when Chelsea is holding the date card, this is uh, at this point one of the most ceremonial moments in every season when all of the players gather around to hear the first date card read because in this moment, they are all equal. They all have the exact same chance to make it as far as they can in the game. As soon as the names start peeling off of this date card, whether it's group or one-on-one, any name read is now going to be in an advanced position beyond everyone else in that room. So they are nervous as fucking shit. Because if you hear your name, amazing. If you don't, fuck. And this date card is a one-on-one. So there's only one name that peels off of this fucker. It's Brie. Love is an adventure. Matt.
1: Uh, Brie says, I wore my worst outfit today because she was not prepared for this to be a date. Brie. At any moment, you could be pulled out of a crowd and you're going on a date you need to be prepared don't ever have a worst outfit
0: if the producers pull you out of your room you look as good as you can at all times be ready for fucking literally anything and even if you're in your room be ready for literally anything because they could do a home invasion date on you they could yank you out and be like you have five minutes and you have to meet matt down in a fucking scuba diving tank or something you have no fucking idea what they're gonna throw at you always be ready
1: yeah you need to perfect a five minute makeup routine etc because you need to be able to look good very fast
0: so then matt james comes and gets her and they walk outside to some atvs and he lovingly puts a helmet on her now at this moment We get a shot of all the other women standing in front of the main room that they were just in, (laughs) being forced to witness him putting this fucking helmet on. The producers literally push them out the fucking doors. Get out there. Go look at that. Why are they all fucking standing out there? Go
1: watch them. Get on the ATVs.
0: This is the first peeping, Tom, that we have this Game, but not the last. The producers really hit the peeping tom hard. This is a peeping tom episode. (laughs) God damn! Every date had a peeping tom, didn't it?
1: There's visual peeping toms. There's sound peeping toms. (laughs) 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 By the way, Anna in this moment, sums up the entire game and says, this is a game of time and for her to be getting a whole day and me having zero, yes, this is a game of time. That is what we should have called this podcast.
0: (laughs) She's defining one of the core concepts of the fucking game here. And this is one of those moments where I'm like, everybody here knows that this is a fucking game. She literally calls it a game and then defines how the game is played. It's a game of time. You need to get time whoever gets the most time literally wins the game that is how it is every season just by default you're going to get less time if you get kicked off earlier the person who winds Mm -hmm. up in the end or at least the two finalists have basically the same amount of time throughout the season and it's more than anyone else so yes it is a game of time it's beautiful
1: to hear players say this Time in order for that first audience, Matt, but also time screen time for the fourth audience game. The more screen time you have, the better. The more followers you get.
0: Yeah, she just understands it. God, it, I just oh, fuck. I loved hearing it. Yeah. We're in the professional era. This is it.
1: Back at the matto, the women discuss why Brie got the first one-on-one, and Sarah Trot, student of the game, goes, "Well, she got the first rose, so I think they have a really good connection." She recognizes that the first flower has importance.
0: And then Jacinia says, I can be happy for Brie, and I think we should all take Dark Lord Harrison's advice and just focus on our time with Matt. These are the correct textbook moves to say. Happy for the other players. I'm playing my good, strong second audience game. I'm also praising the process. She got the date. I'm happy for her. These are exactly what you should be saying. Victoria, however, says something a little differently. (laughs) She is going for a hardcore, not here to make friends villain game from the fucking jump. I mean, this is the first time she's even able to speak. And she basically says, I don't want to be here with all of you. I wanted that one on one date. (laughs) The women who are all here are being fake. And she's basically saying, This is a competition. I'm here to fucking play. Now, the interesting thing about it is a one on one just started. We just saw Matt. James leave with Bree. we should be watching them doing whatever they're doing. Yeah. instead we're watching Victoria just fucking blow this whole moment up, so whatever she's doing is working at least in terms of getting um, screen time and I'm super curious to see where her Instagram winds up by the end of this week as a result.
1: Yeah, Justenia gets a good line in here. she says, I think it's just a matter of how everyone copes with their emotions differently. I'm very capable of still being happy for someone else while dealing with my own emotions. And I'm especially not the type to dump my own baggage onto someone. I feel like there's something I'm working on the preseason right now. And there is something that I'm calling the hero player, which is when you are in your preseason, you need to pick one or two hero players and you emulate their game, you emulate their Instagram, etc. I feel like Jessenia's hero player here is Taylor Nolan, the emotional intelligence, Bennett also Borrowed that element. Um, but Victoria, wrecking ball, her hero player is Corinne Olympios. She has studied this game and she takes things that Corinne did and has a new twist on them, which is what you want to do.
0: She to me was like a child of Corinne Olympios and Chad Johnson. <laughs> like
1: you mean the spawn of satan <laughs> no chad johnson also did a blaze of glory wrecking ball strategy
0: yeah and he also accused everybody of being fake like there's some similar um mm-hmm. things like the you're all being fake i'm here for the right reasons kind of i'm the only real one she says ultimately at some point that she's genuine and real or some version of that just the willingness that she has to come in with what is a clear strategy she is going to do the not here to make friends and just fucking bulldoze anyone and everyone villain from the get she's playing a high level game it's all eggs in one basket for sure but she's going for fucking broke and hey i fucking respect it i'm not even fully convinced by the way that this isn't a, an elaborate piece of performance art, like it's it's that way. I know. Of clues play. keeps saying
1: that the whole time. He's like, "It's performance art." I'm like, "I don't think so. I don't think she's playing eight dimensional chess here." I do think she is doing a straight, not here to make friends, producer third audience game. And I think that in a normal season, The Bachelor would have some wherewithal and be like, "Okay, I let you keep her a couple of weeks, but now." It's hurting my other relationships, but because Matt James hasn't done this before, I think he doesn't know what he's doing. And He's just like, yep, there's always a producer slot. Got to keep her.
0: <laughs> God, if I mean, if it's that, how far do you think the producers can keep Victoria this season?
1: I mean, it is. Final two. <laughs> it is impossible to imagine that she goes as far as Corinne Olympias because Corinne, I, I think is legendary and had a lot more skill than victoria mm-hmm. and made it to hometowns victoria's game is is much more explosive and there's zero of the chemistry game that corinne had so mm-hmm. it's hard to see i mean matt is trying to escape i mean we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah but i totally agree with to everything you've said though 100 percent agree from conversations with her anyway portion two god damn it we've only done one portion we get a creature of the week deer well not my creature of the week but a contender we get a
0: creature that was in the show this creature but not the creature of the week it's another fucking deer deer can't get it two weeks in a row no unless it's a pretty cute deer I guess but this was just a normal deer like
1: something to do with the storyline and like represent something
0: a deer (laughs) attack
1: I've been creating (laughs) theories for why they're featuring different creatures I'm losing it
0: no 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 i I, if we have the same creature of the week i have a whole reason why it's mine as well Oh (laughs)
1: God! i wonder if our reason's the same this is
0: gonna be fucking insane we are losing it so there are some deer and then they get on these atvs and they're driving around the woods they find a nice big mud puddle to do donuts in which the producers have conveniently made for them and they're the tires are spinning mud's flying
1: i couldn't believe he fucking did donuts i was like this is horrible i would demand to be let off
0: well that ain't this game on this game one of the primary rules is you can never go against anything the bachelor wants to do you have to indulge literally everything he even asked her do you trust me the only answer there (sighs) is yes she delivers it so she's playing this correctly and of course almost incurs significant injury when he flips the fucking atv but luckily they're both okay from this
1: he rolls them. I, I wrote in all caps, no wonder this man has never been in love. <laughs> 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 they're prone now, and poor Brie has to pretend this is fun, that they're rolling around in the mud. Slopping in mud, she stands up. He is throwing mud at her.
0: This is, to me, reminiscent of all the way back in season one. Alex Michelle, our very first bachelor, took a bunch of women on a group date to a spa, and he winds up throwing mud on Trista All Rain's their boobs. boobs. All of oh, you're right. Yeah. He went around in a circle. He Jesus Christ! He threw at
1: multiple women. I had such strong Alex Michelle vibes this episode, also, but for a different reason. Because Matt is so awkward with the women. It's like a, it's like someone who's actually like never dated that's how it comes off alex michelle was very was very awkward i mean but some huge differences between them
0: matt james's suits fit
1: alex michelle never brought up jesus
0: (laughs) no he did not (laughs) after the mud bath we get a shot of another creature this is some sheep sitting
1: under a fucking tree was this your creature of the week I thought it was a cow. Maybe it was. It was right after Matt James says, Breezebomb, I'm so sorry. I vowed to protect her better from now on, which I thought was a weird ITM. It's kind of breaking the fourth wall a little. And then they show this animal. And I was like, is this representing (laughs) Breezebomb? Oh, my God. (laughs) I think they were sheep. I don't know. I don't know. I I said cows, but it wasn't my creature of the week. No, was it yours? no okay we probably have the same one we probably do
0: they pull around these creatures whatever these creatures may be cows or sheep they are
1: covered in mud representing whatever they might represent
0: (laughs) and the mud the getting dirty date is something that we see from time to time nick Mm -hmm. vial not to name drop had one of these on a hometown with then player (laughs) raven gates and they pull up to this fucking hot tub this is where we're going to get our hot tub time, just out in the middle of nowhere. So, of course, they have to strip down.
1: I mean, he asks, is the, is that cool? It but, would have been hilarious if she was like, I don't go.
0: No. Yeah, I'm not getting <laughs> a hot tub. Of course you are. This is the game. If the producers put a hot tub in front of you,
1: you get in the hot tub, period. We've seen a refused hot tub before. Season one, Shannon refused a hot tub. Oh, she did get in eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right before they get in the hot tub, though, Matt James strips, takes his shirt off, pulls out an axe. They make him take his shirt off and chop a random piece of wood as if he is providing the kindling for this hot tub.
0: It was one of the (laughs) strangest things I've seen in our beloved game. He's got on these big yellow work gloves. He's shirtless. Bree is standing five feet away in anticipation trying to be like excited to watch him chop a piece of wood
1: you get protective gear for your hands but like you can't keep your shirt on to do the chop like
0: but it was this whole thing you could hear some producer pitching it and it'll be a wood burning hot tub and we'll get him to chop a piece of wood yeah that's good that's an excuse for him to get his shirt off it's like you could just put him in the hot tub and he still has his shirt off it's the same thing this axe is so weird and it's this forcing of like this is what a man does
1: well it's like a- they filmed a bunch of stuff of him like carrying logs around the forest for the promos. It was almost like, this is going to be our promo material. But to see it in the middle of their date is so bizarre and forcing Bree to watch it. She is a player, though. She is a team player, goes along with any- everything. He toasts to near death experiences. And, so, and Bree says, if we die, we'll die together, which I thought was interesting because Sarah Trott said the exact same thing on her one-on-one date.
0: Both brilliant plays. This is a little bit of subtle, subliminal future casting that we're going to be together till the end. It just, it hits on that sub-psychological level. They've linked themselves to him. Very good plays.
1: Bree says, I do think it brought us closer together. And then does a little kiss lead in line here says you still do have to redeem yourself. He takes the cue, goes for the kiss. Then says I got some mud in my mouth because he's uh, he's a child in a big situation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, nonetheless, whatever Matt James might be doing, (laughs) Bree here is fucking killing it. This is a near flawless day portion of the day even when thrown some significant adversities and she
1: says can we get one more kiss and she just can't get enough absolutely gives it to her back at the matto victoria has taken it to 100 already she says i hate this girl power bullshit i was like i'm sick of you guys already and the women are starting to shit talk her
0: and she's saying this shit to a producer. She's off in a corner talking to a producer wearing a mask, saying that she doesn't like these other women and she doesn't want to be here in the sorority. She's not slowing down at all. There's not a moment with Victoria where she is not highly aggressively playing a not here to make friends strategy. We've never seen anything like this. There have been other players who did not here to make friends strategies, but not like this. Not every time they're on screen.
1: This fast.
0: This fast and this aggressive. I mean, she's actively attacking people constantly.
1: Anna does a beautiful, colorful narrator here. She talks about Victoria, combines it with some face play, says, at first I thought the queen thing was an act, but I think it's real and it's even scarier. Serena P says, Victoria made it clear she's not here to make friends. Direct quote. They're like, that's the play strategy she's doing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Totally recognizes it and knows to stay out of the fucking way of that play strategy And we're going to find out. Maryland, unfortunately, falls victim to it. But once someone like this, a hardcore not-here-to-make-friends player locks on to you, you're fucked because you're going to (laughs) have to play defense now. We'll get to it. Portion three begins. It is the night portion of the first one-on-one date between Bree and Matt. They go to dinner in some kind of a big room in Nemecolon somewhere, and they open up by joking again about the near-death event, and... Uh, I feel like it'll probably paint their entire relationship. We're going to hear about them almost dying on this ATV every fucking week. But she plays a PTC here.
1: She set it up in an ITM, said, I hope we can dive deeper tonight talking about our lives and how it shaped us into who we are today. And she plays a beautiful PTC here. She says her mom raised her as a single mom, got pregnant with her when she was 13. Very dark. Very dark. Um, and said her mom made her her whole priority but has started a new family that she doesn't feel like she's a part of. Matt's like, what? That, I had the same relationship with my dad. He was absent most of my life. I would find myself waiting for him. Everyone would always ask, like, where's your dad? But you still love your dad, right? They have this parallel PTC that they're connecting over.
0: It reminded me very much of the recent concluded season of Dale Moss And Claire Crawley's Mirror PTCs. Uh, I thought this was a great play. I don't know how much she researched Matt James before she came on the show. I'm sure at least a little bit. I'm sure she knew all about this. And uh, she has this PTC that works perfectly into the strategy she's going to be playing here.
1: And he is like deer in headlights about this. He's not thinking that at all. Oh, how strange. You've played it exactly parallel to mine.
0: And in the end, she turns it and says she's now ready for a family of her own. That's what's important to her. She knows that's what's important to him.
1: They talk about how they both gravitate towards big families, and that's what they want.
0: And then we cut back to the house, back to the matto. And Victoria is once again center stage telling everybody she doesn't want a group date. She wants the one-on-one, and she doesn't like anybody in this group. (laughs) 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 And then... (laughs) The group date card arrives. It says, I'm looking for the one, Matt, and the group date is gigantic. The names that are read in the document are Chelsea, Serena P, Abigail, Sydney, Ileana, Kristen, Lauren, Jacinia, Serena C, Kit, Kaylee, Katie, MJ, Mari, Piper, Rachel, Victoria, and then Mari says, this is going to be a crazy group date. There's going to be 18 of us here. One problem, Mari. That was only seventeen <laughs> names read from the date card. So, what the fuck is going on here? We will never know. I tried to piece this fucking mystery together for the whole goddamn you show. I have no idea. I have no idea. And I don't know why she would have said eighteen if there were only seventeen names. The producers tell yeah, them. Yeah, they how say many eighteen people. again later in the show. They certainly do. So, I don't know. This is a mystery. It will go down in history as a strange little tid. If anybody out there can figure it out, please let us know.
1: By the way, little small plays here. While the date card is being read, some of the players don't react at all to their names, but we get a couple little moments. Kristen goes, hey yo, Serena C does little snaps. Victoria does yay. You can tell who's prepared. Every player should prepare some sort of a noise and a gesture for their name. It should be a signature thing that you repeat solidify the brand (laughs) back on the date
0: matt says he's trying to do things differently with 10 toes down and he doesn't want to leave any doubt about who he is to brie and he gives her that one on one rose that is a zero point rose first one of the week goes to brie congrats
1: she gets rewarded for faking being cool with him recklessly flipping the ATV and risking her life as well as her parallel single mom PTC. Good job, Bree.
0: And then, back at the matto, the women are all sitting around just enjoying the evening and they're interrupted by a sound. An explosion, <laughs> to be perfectly clear. And Anna knowingly even disappointedly says uh fireworks not only does she know what the sound means she knows what the fireworks mean and that it's not good for her this is what i'm talking about the pro era she they know what the fireworks date is they all do and they know it's fucking shitty she knows there's different types of dates and she knows this one specifically means that date ended well and then as the game unfolds The women are forced outside to actually literally go look at the fucking fireworks and we get another line.
1: Someone says they're probably making out. It's a knife in the heart. Oh, we don't know who says this, but someone says we already know she got a rose. Do you know who this is?
0: No, it was played off face. I don't know who the fuck said it. But somebody said it, and this is what I'm talking about. They know the fireworks mean she progressed through the night, through this round.
1: Someone in the pit said that line.
0: Totally. This shit is like Hunger Games, when at the end of every night, they fucking do fireworks on the dome and show the fucking faces of the people who died. This is a version of that.
1: (laughs) I mean, I differ with clues in that... I don't think every single player listens to our podcast, but this moment was like you've listened to the pod or you have watched multiple seasons and studied the game. This scene was incredible to me.
0: And then, of course, Victoria ups the fucking ante, taking every opportunity to just blow the fuck out of everything. She starts fighting with people, bolstering her not-here-to-make-friends strategy, and she's... Just any time they let her out of her fucking room.
1: Yeah, exactly. She's like, oh, there's a camera on. I see someone. <laughs> Target acquired. <laughs>
0: Some people try to talk her out of it. Like, hey, come on, chill out. She just will not fucking relent. And yeah, poor fucking Marilyn here. Tries to deflect it. And then says even an ITM that she doesn't want to deal with drama like that. Because she understands the game. She understands that if you get twisted up in a fucking rivalry, you're done. And... It doesn't matter. We end this portion with Victoria going to sleep on the couch and she has selected her fucking target and it's Marilyn.
1: (laughs) She says she's psychologically disturbed. I'd rather sleep on the couch than sleep with Marilyn. I'm going to be with Matt and the rest of it is just ridiculous. I literally am a queen and can't wait for Matt to send her home so I can have my own room. Portion number four. We start with two swans and these swans were my <laughs> creature of the week beep, beep, beep. <laughs> here's my theory there, this group date it's the start of the group date it's themed wedding romance a two person couple only and there were two swans a beautiful tableau.
0: These swans were also mine.
1: <laughs> Knew it. Ah!
0: Ah! Creature of the week. We, 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 we. we, For slightly different reasons. Yes, everything you said is true. They're beautiful. They're a couple. They represent love. They also represent metamorphosis. The Ugly Duckling Becomes the Beautiful Swan, and it is in this very season (laughs) that we have watched The Ugly Duckling of past game become the beautiful swan of the pro era. It is in this moment that I link the beginning of the pro era to the shot of the swans forever, for all time. That's when it happened. That's when the thing gets twisted. Oh my
1: God, I thought I was losing my mind, but it turns out I'm so normal. My stories are (laughs) uh, not... (laughs) not as complex (laughs) Um, (laughs) Jesus Christ we start the group day, day portion Matt wanders up in a full suit up a hill and he ITMs this line that has been Frank invited to shit saying coming from a divorce a broken family I don't know what it's like to have a healthy marriage today I'd love to see what that looks like okay and the women walk in umbrellas up the hills and we see the first appearance of Franco La Costa. He's photographing Matt at a wedding circle. And he was my <laughs> Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the wee We'll get to his play this episode. I mean, he's a repeat guest, so I'm already going to favor him. We saw him on Corinne Olympios' wedding group date. We saw him in the most recent season on Zach and Tayshia's one-on-one date. He's known for his shorts and his uh, forcing people to kiss each other in his his, uh, photo shoots.
0: Franco Lacosta was also my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. For everything that you're mentioning as well, he's entertaining, he's always dressed right, he looks good on camera, and he doesn't waste a fucking moment of his screen time. He is expert at not taking center stage, but still being probably the most interesting thing to look at in frame, even though the action is usually on someone else. And I agree with you. We're going to get to how he affected the game a little bit later, but this was his first appearance. So we're just saying he's our, our Miranda bystander of the week. Now in this moment, the women all run up the hill and they approach Matt James and someone's in the lead. Sydney, Sprints right up to him, and it looks like she's going to do a hooju, that is a hug jump when the female players run and attach themselves to the male players in a jumping, clinging hug. But instead, she runs up, jumps up, puts her arms around his neck, and does a dead leg hang similar to a Madison Pruitt. This is a blown hooju opportunity.
1: Oh, you don't even count it as a hooju. No. There has to be a cling? I thought that was just a virginal hoodoo.
0: I feel like there has to be a cling.
1: Interesting. Lauren loads Love Level 1 in her ITM, says that the last time she talked to Matt was when she walked out of the limo, but in that 30 seconds he felt something, and so did I.
0: So we've got a Love Level load, but still no Love Level advancement in this season of the game. And Matt then introduces Franco to them all and tells them that He wants to see what they might look like together at a wedding.
1: Because he's a visual person. That's what he says.
0: (laughs) And then the women are told that they have 10 minutes to pick out a wedding outfit for these photos that they're going to take with him. And they all run into a room full of dresses and jewelry. And they kind of start doing this mad scramble game show style to get the different dresses they want and the different items of jewelry.
1: I felt so sad in this moment because they're picking out this dress. And you know in the back of their mind they're like is this a pretty woman date am i going to get to keep the dress but i know having watched the promos that they're going to destroy these dresses and i felt sad for them so the women come out in wedding dresses jessenia is first and she gets the first kiss of the group date with a little assist from our bystander franco who says drink him kiss him <laughs> 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 I wrote that line down too.
0: Drink him. I love Fucking, it. Oh, God damn, he's good. And then Mari is having her pictures taken. And, of course, Victoria walks right in the fucking way and says, did you forget it's the royal wedding? And Mari's kind of like, I still have to take some pictures here. Can you please stand off to the side, which she does. But then she comes back in and she kind of usurps a place in line. She really cuts in front of the other players here to get this photo shoot. And while she is doing it, she puts her leg up on for Matt James. She's wearing a garter belt. She makes him take it off. This is a kind of like entry level voluntary nudity play it's not quite what a corinne olympios did on the nick vial group date where they all had to take pictures and wedding dresses and she took off her entire top and made him cup her boobs not quite that it's not quite skinny dipping it's nothing of this level but it is in that area this is technically a voluntary nudity play on a scale of one to ten a one
1: what i loved about this was that she branded her own play she calls it the Royal Wedding it is a two-part play. The first play is cutting in line and doing the photo shoot, fucking up Mari's. The second play is, she says, we're going to take it up a notch, has him take off the guard, does the garter belt reveal, has him take it off her leg in front of everyone. All of this is her royal wedding play. It's Corinne. If Corinne didn't have a pool to work with, she would have done this. In fact, I feel like, I don't really remember exactly, but I feel like Corinne might have done something with the garter belt. I believe she is Victoria's hero player. And Victoria kind of forces a makeout with Matt here.
0: And then DLH enters the scene. He shows up in another straight-necked collar, and he compliments Franco's outfit, and then he tells the women what the day is about to really... B, <laughs> they thought it was just some uh photos <laughs> all of his dialogue in this moment is adr'd terribly it's recorded off of the set they did not shoot this here the audio quality is not similar at all and it's a huge chunk he says getting married will be the happiest most romantic day of your life but to stay happily married well that takes a lot of hard work so along with love matt is also looking for a woman that will truly fight for him
1: Matt James says, okay.
0: (laughs) And then we come back to DLH, and all the women are looking and being like, what the fuck does this mean? DLH walks off with Matt and Franco, and some of the women say they didn't get to take photos with him. This is a very interesting tactic from the producers here. They have forced into the game turtles. They were the ones who sent DLH in at that time. They said, cut it off. The rest of these women don't get photos with him. So they are putting this extra pressure on the women who didn't get their time with him on this group date to really fucking bring it in what is going to be a forced violence back half of this group date.
1: Rachel says if fighting gets one-on-one time I'm all for it, Serena C says a classic line of the game, the claws are about to come out for sure. And then there's a Heineken commercial between JoJo and Jordan and the commercial says keep watching The Bachelor on ABC and I was like, yes I will. <laughs> But did
0: you buy the Heineken? That's the more important question. No. And then we start portion number five with another creature. We got some more deer. Sorry, deer. The swan's already won our creature of the week. <laughs> Too and late,
1: you idiots!
0: <laughs> a kind of actiony score plays behind the women walking through the woods in their wedding dresses as they come up to DLH, and he basically explains that they're going to be playing a version of. Capture the flag with these plush hearts. And as an added piece of this game, they're going to have to be dipping purses and flowers and pieces of wedding cake into paint and tagging each other with them.
1: That's how you tag them as opposed to like pulling a flag or tackling. Mm-hmm.
0: But it makes no sense. He tells us they're going to, this will be a play for time. The winning team is going to get to go with Matt to an after party. The losing team will have to go home. They'll have to walk home. In fact, he tells them.
1: By the way, when he says... He says, winning team gets to spend an incredible romantic night with Matt. Losing team takes their busted up painted dresses and walks home and spends the night thinking, I wonder who's making out with Matt right now. What a fucking line.
0: This is the Dark Lord. This is seasoning on the suffering he's about to devour. He's just sprinkling a little salt on it.
1: Your whole night is going to be fireworks of another woman... (laughs)
0: And then he tells them, finally, before the teams square off, the rules are there are no rules, which means physical violence will be permissible. And then we see the two teams. Mari of the gold team is telling her team how important this is. We cannot afford to lose. We need to do what we have to to win because time is all important. There's only one date left and none of us are going to be on it. This is stone cold play game strategy.
1: Someone, I believe Abigail on their team is cutting the women's dresses with scissors to make them have an advantage like that.
0: Great move. Then we see the red team. Piper is a general setting up her strategies saying, here's where we're going to have the forwards. This will be defense. This is how we're going to win this game, laying it all out. And Victoria ITMs. I think my team is a bunch of Queens and the other team is a bunch <laughs> of gestures. So as a true queen would say, let them eat cake.
1: Good fucking Lord.
0: I don't know what to make of any of this, but uh, I loved it.
1: That whole line, I mean, it just, it just shows you what her impression of what a queen is, is like, not someone who's researched queens, just knows like a couple random facts that don't really connect to each other. It also was an alarming moment for me because I was like, let them eat cake. And I was just like, oh, they're wasting all this food and they're wasting these clothes and destroying them. It felt very let them eat cake at a moment where we're having thousands of people die every day and a lot of people becoming food poor in this country right now.
0: And don't forget, Matt James famously smashed an entire birthday cake in Tyler Cameron's face during some of the highest death tolls of any day of the covid pandemic when they were in a private box at the fucking miami dolphins game. so you're
1: saying this is actually a skill that is a deal breaker for him they need to be able to do cake play to be his partner <laughs> yes <laughs> he's gonna smash
0: a cake on somebody this fucking season oh god so then we cut to dlh is sitting at a table with matt james and franco lacosta they are going to be the judges of whatever the fuck we're about to watch big paulie is there he's going to be the ref he's wearing a referee outfit and dlh says are you ready on the horn we will battle like it's fucking medieval times and then we watch a train wreck there is no structure to this game whatsoever (laughs) everyone is running around slopping paint on each other pulling each other's dresses some people are going for these big plush hearts some people are falling down as they fucking run and this moment for me is what really not that we had a lot of choices but it's what elevated franco Lacosta as not just a jorge moreno bystander of the week he may be a jorge moreno bystander of the year this motherfucker leaves his post he's supposed to be sitting next to dark lord harrison judging whatever the fuck this is he's like nah 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 i'm an artist i take photography wedding photography and i have this Unbelievably unique opportunity to get right in the middle of whatever the fuck is happening and take these crazy pictures of these women in wedding dresses with paint all over them and he fucking does it he sprints out into battle and he's taking action shots right in the middle of all of it fucking beautiful
1: lacosta going rogue was one of my favorite moments of this episode i his spunk his it was so good it was four trr for a bystander
0: 40 T R R art it was for his art he is a fucking wedding <laughs> photographer and he's like i will lo- i ha- will never have this opportunity again i have to do this he runs out and he starts taking pictures i want to see the pictures please franco if you're listening to this post those pictures if you can if abc will let you if you have any say in it whatsoever maybe even get them to post it on their instagram god damn it i would love to see those i think they're probably fantastic
1: we're gonna see him. We saw some of the we saw some of the Zach Clark the Zaysha trampoline photos on Instagram. Um Polly, by the way, is the ref they're making it like he's asleep. He's not paying attention. So what someone should have done is what Kelly Flanagan did on PP season during the group date airplane obstacle course, which is just fucking cheat. Just say I didn't get pain on me and just run back with the heart, start celebrating with the team. No one's going to... I mean, Matt probably is just excited for this to be over and talk to the women. He's not going to be like, wait, I don't know, go back out there and keep playing.
0: In this game that has no rules, you broke the rules.
1: DLH at one point yells, guard and protect your heart. This is a reference to the tattoo that Casey Call got for bachelorette Ali Fedotowski during her bachelorette season and he had told her it was his mission to guard and protect her heart and then he later mid-season gets a tattoo on his arm which is a shield in front of a heart and rose. I just looked it up and he still has it. He added on his uh, wedding anniversary or something for his wife. That's a deep
0: cut. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You're talking to me about the symbolism of the swans being too
1: much. That's a fucking... (laughs) Well, I couldn't believe you just blew past. I was like, we're not going to talk about Guard and Protect Your Heart? Okay. I thought this we was are. a Bachelor podcast.
0: <laughs> and then apparently the game ends with MJ going, running around somewhere and DLH once again in an 80-yard line. It's all over. The red team wins. It's just audio that never came from this event. And then they give out a fucking literal trophy for MVB, the most valuable bride. And it goes to Mari on the gold team for some unknown reason. But in my mind, this was a way that they could ensure getting Mari to that event or any player from the losing team to make sure that they would come. And the thing that is weird here to me is it's enforced. The losing team must now walk home. And Matt James doesn't have the wherewithal to invite them all, which is what every lead should do in this situation every time to avoid all the fucking bad shit that can come as a result of people feeling like they got slighted or not enough time with you or any number of things.
1: DLH also adds adds salt to the wound by saying, take a moment and say your goodbyes. Kind of representing to them, hey, you might be closer to me saying this to you for real because you lost.
0: This is more salt, more seasoning on the stake of suffering he's about to fucking consume.
1: And the group date worked for the producers. We got tears out of Rachel and Katie. They said that they used time as their motivation. It was the only thing motivating them.
0: And this is really Katie's biggest moment. After turning in a completely dominant night one performance, this is all we're going to get to see of her is a little ITM here saying you can't fall in love with a guy if you can't get time with the guy. And that's it. But I think she's going to come back. I think we're going to see her reemerge.
1: This was a loading of Love Level One. She says, I've never been so excited about somebody in a long time.
0: So she's ready. She's ready to move up that chain. She just needs the opportunity to do it. She knows what she has to do, and she just needs her at bat. That's it. Then we open portion number six with the after party of the group date. They all enter a cabin-esque room with a fireplace. Group date rose is on the table. Mari ITMs that it is staring at them. (laughs) I love it. I love when they're like, it's right there. Oh, my God.
1: By the way, as they enter, Matt yells out, got the dub, which means W for group date win.
0: He's played sports his entire life, and this is no different. This is just another sport. He gives a brief speech. They all cheers. Then we get our first one-on-one time with Lauren. I'm not sure if you heard our podcast yesterday or not but it was about the Christian era and we went through the top 10 plays. And so if you have any doubt that we're in the Christian era now, I'll remind you that Matt James opened this season with a Christian prayer. And now I will tell you that Lauren played a straight Christian strategy here on this group date in this conversation where she tells him she wants a man of faith because her dad put God first and the relationship that her dad and mom have is exactly what she wants. This of course works like a charm on Matt He says he never leads with being Christian and dating because there are preconceived notions. But he was raised in the church and he loves that she's on the same page. I couldn't believe that it was literally their only conversation was about Christianity.
1: Yeah, and it's not even his only date that's solely focused on Christianity. Lauren's also doing another mainstay of the game, which is praising your parents' marriage longevity. But I mean, it wasn't a PTC necessarily, this play by Lauren, but they bond over the fact that like, they feel they need to hide it, that people prejudge Christians, etc. Jessenia gets someone one-on-one time and <laughs> says that she loved the group date, even though how could you love that? She <laughs> says so she enjoyed her time. <laughs> But I mean, that's what you got to do when you're on a group date. You got to be thankful for the time you have. She says she was afraid coming into the scenario because she's been in relationships where it seemed like the person was ready for something serious. She's dealt with infidelity. It hurt her ability to have trust. This is a heartbreak, infidelity of partners, PTC, saying that she has walls. And she also brings out tears here to punctuate the PTC. And Matt says, I would never put you through anything like that. If there's anything I can do to make you more comfortable, Jessenia, a kiss would be nice. Gets that kiss. Good move, Jesenia. Nice kiss lead in line. This honestly
0: was about as good as you can play a first group date one-on-one time at the after party. You lay out a good PTC that's not overwhelming you get a kiss, you punctuate with tears. She talked about family being important to her as well in here, that they're her rock. And he says, you know, men have certain responsibilities to provide for your wife and your family, and you should know I'd never cheat on you. So he's even receptive to it and saying, you don't have to worry about that with me. This was very well played. And at this moment, I thought for sure she was in contention for the group date rose. I'll just say that much. Then we head back to the house. There's a knock on the door. It is the date card. And all the women ask who hasn't gotten on a date. All the turtles raise their hands. And Bree comes in with a date card and reads it. This is the second one-on-one of this week. The sky is the limit for us. And it's going to Sarah Trot. In her ITM, she says, The one-on-one date is like gold. Uninterrupted time with Matt. That's where the connection could grow. It's better than gold, Sarah. It's what the game is all about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There's a crazy energy about this episode, and I think it's funny. Back on the group date, Victoria gets some one-on-one time, tells Matt (laughs) she has a lot of sides to her, but she's still human. She says, I have my insecurities too. What I feel what happened here is Victoria knew the concept of a PTC and was trying to come up with one. But she says, because you're so much a prize and there's so much on the line, I was hoping when I was trying on dresses, I hope I don't look fat. I had these thoughts where I was insecure. So this is a PTC that she had insecurity about her weight.
0: Kind of. It's like you're saying, she knows it should be played here. She's just not quite playing a PTC. This is where I wrote down, by the way, in my notes, Victoria is a performance artist 100%. I wrote that at this moment. I was like there's no way this can fucking be real. And then he even tells her, you know, she should own who she is and uh don't be afraid to be honest. And then he asks if he can walk her back to the fucking main room.
1: I laughed so hard.
0: When this happens, when the lead says, "Hey, can I walk you back?" He has no interest in you whatsoever. This is a game of time. We know that now. It's been stated on the record in the document. And if The Bachelor is forfeiting time he has with you, if he is ending the time of his own free will and the producers aren't dragging you away or somebody's not stealing, it means he doesn't fucking like you. Yeah,
1: this is the opposite of a steal. This is a handoff. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But Victoria fucking powers through it. And she's
0: like, well, sure, you can walk me back, but I want to kiss.
1: And she fucking gets it. He doesn't want to do it, and he fucking does it. It's unbelievable. I mean, yeah, she's gotten him to make out with her twice this episode when he seems to have no interest. Matt James, then, goes and grabs the rose, doesn't give runner-up speeches. Did he forget to do that here? We saw it with almost every group date on Bachelorette. Um, But he grabs Lauren... And Victoria says, that really does suck. I wonder what they talked about that made him vibe with her.
0: (laughs) And it's Jesus. He talked about Jesus with her. That's why she got the fucking group date rose. This is literally the only play made in her one-on-one time was a Christian strategy. There was nothing else to it, no other component. And it gets her the group date rose over a very viable PTC here. To me, this is 100% more evidence that we're in the christian era when your play strategy can just be christianity and you're getting this group date rose above what a normal play should have gotten it like that ptc in any season that wasn't like so much entrenched in the christian era that ptc would have gotten it and here we see the power of the christian strategy i'm very curious to see how far lauren goes as a result of that because i think she's laid a strong foundation here on which every other thing she builds will mean more to matt james when she starts yeah. playing her PTCs, when she starts building her walls and taking them down, all that kind of stuff, it's going to be elevated because it's built on this uh, Christian foundation. Luke P. was able to do this with Hannah Brown as well for a very long time in that season.
1: Matt apologizes to her for her turtling at the cocktail party on night one, but he does say we share similar values. So he's basically like, this rose is for that. And a kiss. Matt goes back to the group, says, thanks for opening up. See you at cocktail party. (laughs) Victoria says to Lauren, were you expecting that? I shared a lot. I went out of my way during the day. Maybe sharing my things wasn't enough to have me stand out.
0: Victoria is the most entertaining player we've got. I'm sorry. (laughs) It is fascinating to watch her because she's just going so fucking hard all the time. There is no subtlety in this fucking strategy at all ever. I've never seen anything like it. Like, I mean, yeah, it's a Corinne-ish. It's a Chad Johnson-ish.
1: It's an, it's an Ashley Salter-ish. There's like this on-another-planet level going on here.
0: She's fascinating. I don't, I don't know that we'll see another player like her ever. What we're watching is art. Whatever she's doing, whether she knows it's art or not, whether it's a viable piece of performance art, <clears throat> that's how I'm receiving it.
1: Portion seven, we start... The second one-on-one date, Sarah Trot. She has a long walk, but she doesn't do a hooju, so.
0: Completely blown hooju opportunity. Doesn't even take feet off the fucking ground.
1: They go on a biplane. Sarah plays that she's a little scared, getting nervous, heart beating out of her chest. She just does a funny line here. This looks like the first plane ever invented.
0: I like that line as well. Showed some yeah. genuine comedic talent there. And this kind of turns into a Fear of Heights date where he has to hold her close. Are you okay? Checking on her as they're up flying around. And of course, back at the house, what happens? All the women come out to look up in the sky. Well, why do they do that? Because the producers have forced them into another Peeping Tom scenario. There she is on a date, look up in the sky. They make them all come out to look at this just to get them all mad and anxious and everything that comes with these moments.
1: A flyby is the fireworks of the day portion.
0: <laughs> and then Sarah loads her waltz game in an ITM saying that she is scared to open up about deep issues. And we know what the night portion is going to be about. They sit by fire and they talk about family. Matt says they, he talks to his family all the time. Matt starts talking about having an emergency contact. And that's what he's looking for in a partner and he asks her how her dad felt about her coming on The Bachelor. She does an expert move here.
1: So he says, how, you said your mom was stoked. I noticed you didn't talk about your pops. How does your pops feel about it? And Sarah says, he's the most, like, sincere, loving, awesome dad ever. I'm so close with my mom. I'm even closer with my dad, too. He's great. This wall. That Sarah Trot plays here is my play, 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 play of the game. We know what Sarah Trot's PTC is it is that her father has ALS. She has loaded this in episode one. This wall takes finesse for her to skirt. Around the question to save her PTC for the night portion. Sarah's not going to play her PTC when that rose is not in view. She's just not. She knows this game, she knows how to time it. She is prepared. And Matt can sense this wall. He says, I had a great time, but could tell Sarah's struggling with something. I need her to be open and vulnerable. I already had other women being authentic and real. You don't play a wall at the end of a date. You play a wall in the middle that you can take down at the end. And she, we're going to get to what she does. I'm assuming this is your play of the game. But for me, it only happens because she maneuvers her way around this line of questioning and is able to save it for later.
0: This play was astounding. I take nothing away from it. Like you're saying... He asks her a direct question. How'd your dad feel about you coming on the show? She never answers it. She never even comes close to answering it. She just loads this idea that she doesn't want to talk about her dad. Matt James has no idea why, but that is a wall. And in all these dates, in every level of the game, you have to be setting up these moments of progress where there's a wall up and it has to come down or there's a love level you need to get to to beat somebody else's love level. Whatever it may be, you're trying to set up these moments of giving him a question. Should I keep her around? Should I give her the rose? The answer is yes. And here is why. And she's going to do that in the night portion, which yes, (laughs) we'll get to it. We just, let's just get to it. You're right. My play of the game is linked to yours. And I think they're almost the same play. It's like a setup and a punchline or a, it's like a jab followed by a right hook. Mm -hmm. The right hook's not going to knock you out. If the jab doesn't take you back on your feet first, it's such a beautiful combination to watch. So fuck it. Let's just get to it.
1: It happens right after
0: it's in portion eight they're eating at a pool with some lights around it he brings up family again which gives her the little push into her ptc and she says it's hard for her to take down those walls literally says that playing a perfect wall game here
1: matt gets in a line here where he says we shared the same values i'm hoping for a little bit of a deeper conversation to me this implies i mean it's talking about family but i wonder if there was a Cut conversation about religion.
0: There definitely was, and we'll get. She uses a word in here, a little piece of verbiage that definitely is a reference to Christianity. But she plays her PTC here, and this was my. Let, 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 let play of the ga- game. She breaks down her family situation for him. Her dad has ALS. She explains what that is, that there is no cure. His life expectancy is two years and he is losing the ability to talk and walk and move, but his brain is still fully functional. It is the same thing Stephen Hawking had. And she talks about quitting her job to be a caregiver for her dad. She feeds him and brushes his teeth. She tells the story about how he used to do her hair when he would take her to school as a little girl. And now she's doing his hair, brushing his hair. It's visceral. The emotion is real in this and it achieves the desired effect. Matt James's response to hearing this, he says that he is honored to be sitting there with her. And he then says his faith is what is important to him in times like this, and he offers to pray for her dad and for her family. This is not only an honor for him. That is the highest honor he can give her. He opened this with a prayer. This is the Christian era. This is the highest form of approval you can have.
1: Matt James says in his ITM that he gets chills thinking about this situation. You can't picture more selfless act. I get chills thinking about this PTC play. It was... I mean, I had extremely high hopes for Sarah. I put her in my final four, and knowing uh, knowing about this story, but the way she executes it is flawless. Like every little detail about it. Oh my god, the story about the the hair brushing. I mean, I I teared up. I like it was,
0: and she in the end says that. Her dad was the one that wanted her to go find love. And she says this phrase, I felt a calling to come here. That is Christian speech. She is reinforcing the idea, whether he's talking about their Christian values or not up there with that phrasing, it was a calling. She is essentially saying to him, if they haven't already talked about Christianity, she's saying, I'm on that page too. This Mm -hmm. is a flawless one-on-one date top to fucking bottom and of course she gets the one-on-one rose for it and gets a kiss
1: i can't believe she got in a bit here about her dad praising the process (laughs) like it's unbelievable it had everything
0: and she gets not only one kiss after the one-on-one rose she pulls away and goes in for another one she's sealing this with a strong chemistry game And uh, she ITMs that there was a weight lifted off her chest and she's never had a conversation like that ever.
1: And then they go in a fucking hot tub and she gets another fucking kiss. Wait, By the way, right before she gets the rose, um, she says, Life is going to throw you curveballs. It's not always going to be beautiful dates and sunsets and plane rides. But I think it says a lot that I feel so comfortable with you. I don't take it lightly. I think there's something special. And Matt says to that point of thinking it's something special, grabs the rose. She had a lead-in to the rose line. Poetry.
0: This is what we've been trying to say. This is that professional era. There's, like, she got this one-on-one, and she's like, guess what I'm going to do? Not make a mistake. I'm going to play everything in the exact perfect time, in the exact perfect tone. This is going to be a masterclass." In how to execute a one-on-one date. And it literally is that. I don't know if we're going to see many more of these this season. I have a feeling we are. These perfect one-on-ones. Yeah. This shit was insane. Breeze also, by the way. Fucking insane. It was so well done. hmm I just have such high expectations for the rest of this season now.
1: Trot also, like you're saying, reinforces this story with a strong chemistry game in the hot tub. Some leg grazing. And it is hard for me after this date to picture her not being the ring winner. I think she's definitely in top four. I feel like it's one of these two.
0: As do I. And, you know, we'll see what winds up happening by the end of the season. But she was somebody we both put her in our top four. I truly believe looking at people's Instagrams can give you a fantastic idea of how they're going to play in the game. It's their understanding of conveyance of an image of a persona. And that's what this game is all about. It's conveying some persona to the lead, to the players, to the producers, and to the fourth audience, us. And you can look at an Instagram and tell if people are good at that, I think.
1: Oh, tiny little note. She also got a gentleman in here. The gentleman is when the bachelor gives his coat to a bachelorette. Matt James put his coat over Trot's shoulders here. And Sarah says it's the start of something so beautiful and special. I agree. And it's also a callback to what she said on night one, which when she got out of limo, she said, you know, I'm going to be staying here for weeks. I mean, hopefully. It was like she has this whole thing planned out. Like Katie says, you have to prepare. Sarah Trump prepared.
0: I don't know how to even process what we're seeing this season with this play is just airtight from day fucking one from so many different players. Even Victoria, who is playing a Maniacs
1: game. An airtight what game? Yeah, what is the airtightness of that game? <laughs> Depending on Matt James to not grow some balls. like
0: It's the loyalty to the strategy. It's basically like when Dylan Barber came into Paradise and he played the good guy all eggs in one basket game on hannah godwin and you were like there's no fucking way he's gonna ride this through the entire way and not break off to somebody else when she's like fucking around with baylock high yeah. and whoever you know and he fucking did it he was just like no this is my strategy i'm gonna ride it until the end and it look where he is now i'm not saying Victoria's gonna wind up in a situation like that but i admire the loyalty to the strategy to say i've developed this strategy i'm gonna play it until i <laughs> fucking can't anymore And she's just doing it 100% all the time. So for that, I thank you. You honor
1: her consistency.
0: Absolutely.
1: It's hard to do. Portion nine, we get to the cocktail party. First responder is Piper, bringing Matt James a drink. But the first one-on-one time we see is Abigail. She does a nice move here and says, I missed you. Being in group settings is hard. I was thinking I should give you a signal. Fix my earring. Pull on my ear. It'll be like me blowing you a little kiss, letting you know I see you. And Matt's like, yeah, I'll do an ear pull, but you got to pay attention.
0: This was a huge fucking move. Even in these little moments, this is a cocktail party. You can't do much here. You can kind of either... Try to solve some minor problem. You can reestablish an earlier connection, which is what I thought Abigail was going to do here. Usually the FIMPros does that at this cocktail party. Usually the FIMP, if they haven't gotten a one-on-one date or they weren't on the group date, or even if they were and didn't have much time, they use this cocktail party time to be like, hey, I'm still here. I still like you, right? We're still good. She fucking elevates it here in a way that was astounding to me. She engages him in some kind of mandatory behavioral act of compliance when we're in a group date, when we're in a group setting, I'm going to do this. You react back to me in this way. We are connected. It's almost like she's developed secret language for him. And he agrees to fucking speak it with her. Fantastic play.
1: Rachel has a little one-on-one time. Says like, I feel like there's some connection to him. And he says, I, you see me locking eyes with you? <laughs> I feel like this was another reference to him having codes with all the women. And I thought it would be so funny if he tells everyone like, oh yeah, tugging on my ear. That one's for you and then he's just tugging on his ear and all the women think he's talking to them.
0: <laughs> I like it if he would have like 10 different signals and in a group date, he just has to go down the line firing squad style, with like, tug on his- the ear, tug on the nose, <laughs> left eye wink, right eye wink, raise of eyebrows, fucking stick out tongue, you know, whatever they might all be. <laughs> his,
1: Matt James's top 10 extremities. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. We get a series of one-on-ones Kit feels her connection is growing, and it's weird how comfortable she is. Maggie says she'll cook for him.
1: Bree gets a kiss.
0: Marilyn is kind of on the verge of tears and asks him if he wants her there. And he says, of course I do. He remembered that she said orchids were her favorite flower, so he has some orchids sitting nearby in a vase. This is for sure set up by the producers. This is so strange.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's not new. We've seen Bachelors cringle the women who get by weeks before.
0: And then we get an ITM from Victoria that she is mad about Marilyn and calls her toxic and thinks she should go home because (laughs) Victoria (laughs) claims to be an empath. And she essentially sets up a tattle that's about to happen here in her ITM. And usually tattles are not great ideas to ever be involved with. But again, this is Victoria's game. 100% no holds barred. Pedal to the metal. Let's fucking try to burn down everything.
1: The wrecking ball gets one-on-one time. And she tattles on Marilyn, says she was my roommate. She tries to cry to manipulate situations. She's like anticipating what Marilyn's gonna do when she responds to the tattle with Matt James. She's like, I bet Marilyn's gonna cry. I'm gonna say those are fake tears. Um, she's straight up toxic. I have to sleep on the couch now because of that. Matt's like, Oh, I had no idea that was going on. Have you talked to her since? Victoria, I just avoid her. She's so toxic life goes on I'm able to maintain a positive attitude (laughs) hilarious
0: (laughs) I can't believe she said that I was like what a positive attitude you're literally sinister like just mean to everyone god damn it that shit was funny
1: and she plays this against him says like you don't know this but I wanted to share with you how toxic the house can be like Implying, like, oh, you've never been on the show, so you don't get it, but it's really horrible. Then Matt James
0: (laughs) ITMs that he thinks Marilyn might have been bullying Victoria, and he pulls Marilyn for a talk. And we begin portion 10 with Victoria telling the other women that Marilyn was mean to her. And MJ kind of confronts her about it and is like, I don't see Marilyn doing that. I don't think she would attack anyone. And then we get some intercutting between Marilyn with Matt on her one-on-one time and back to the women as they're kind of cross-talking. The women are talking about Marilyn. Marilyn's talking to Matt. Marilyn kind of does what she can in her ITM. She says, I'm not a person who would spite anyone. I feel like I have to defend myself though now because of these accusations. And then the other women kind of are back talking in the room. They don't really believe Victoria.
1: (laughs) They cut back to Victoria questioning Maggie that she's rolling her eyes at her. I was like, now you're going after Maggie? Maggie? Oh my God!
0: Anybody who even looks at her could possibly be drugged into the black hole of her playstyle. And Marilyn tells Matt James that she is telling the truth, and she doesn't want her time with him to be jeopardized. He leaves, and he says he has a lot to think about.
1: In this conversation with Matt James, Marilyn says it's like unfortunate she's jeopardizing my time with you. Marilyn's defense of herself she wasn't ready for this conversation and she had time to prepare. She knew Victoria was targeting her. Um, it, this conversation reminded me a lot of when Hannah Sluss, uh, power slammed Sheehan. It was just like, this conversation is over. And Sheehan just like accepted it. It was like, okay. And is crying. But Mary Lynn, like had options here. She could have been like go ask anyone in the house who the toxic person is or get her in here let's do a three person convo but she lets Matt leave and go to rose ceremony without a character witness and that was my error 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 of the ga- game
0: it was also my error 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 of the game yeah i agree with you she totally could have done other things here to come out of this in a better scenario we don't know if she's going to get kicked off though obviously because what happens in the ceremony is a cliffhanger so it's difficult for me to say too much about it because we don't yet know the outcome but certainly i agree she could have handled this much better
1: I mean, this conversation, I don't know if she could have handled better. She goes and talks to Victoria, tries to get her to go outside. Victoria refuses, says it's freezing. And Victoria refuses to sit on the same couch as her.
0: She refuses literally everything. I'm not going outside. I'm not sitting on the same couch as you. She accepts an apology, but then when Marilyn says, I think we can work out an understanding here, she says, I don't have any interest in that. She refuses every possible attempt Marilyn makes in this conversation to make amends. And again, this is just this hardcore, hyper-aggressive, not here to make friends. (laughs) 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 She's the most hostile empath we've we've ever seen. But... (laughs) She's just like not backing down. And this is going to be her strategy literally for the entire game is to be, uh, you know, attempting to drip honey in Matt James's ears about the other players and and spreading disinformation and stuff. And we'll see how long it works, how long the producers can keep her around. This forces Marilyn to shed tears in a darkened hallway. And Abigail makes a little all-star appearance here as the STCO. That's the shoulder to cry on as she consoles Marilyn in this hallway And we see that MJ is now scared of turtling because she hasn't had time and the drama is sucking it all up. This is, as we know, a game of time.
1: Yeah, all of the turtles are now time (laughs) cops.
0: And then just as Victoria and Katie are kind of getting into the first parts of an argument about all the things that transpired this night, DOH enters and gives us a quad ting. Ting ting ta-ting. Or it's like
1: Ting to ting ting, that's how it went. Thank you for correcting that. We were gonna get some emails. <laughs> <laughs> I just
0: had a replay in my Jesus. head. Sorry. This ting represents the end of standard play. You can no longer make any more moves. You must now face judgment in the rose ceremony. And so we begin it. Portion number eleven. Victoria and Marilyn are forced to stand next to each other in the risers. Victoria says in an itm that she hates Marilyn. Even in her itm, she is going hard and then she says the queen doesn't go home she will definitely get a rose
1: first flower goes to piper maybe for her first responder role and her team captain role in the group date
0: and then we go through a few other players none of which are surprising to get the rose kit maggie rachel abigail chelsea Jacinia, katie serena c And then Sarah says in an ITM that she's overwhelmed. And if he keeps Victoria around, it's going to make her question her relationship with Matt. And we see the wide shot of all the women at the rose ceremony. She kind of stumbles off the back of a riser, having trouble walking. A producer comes out and kind of helps usher her over. And she squats down next to this table, having trouble breathing. Matt James goes to check on her. And she says she's seeing stars and blacking out. This is a fucking mid-rose ceremony IFI.
1: We have seen it before, I think. Right?
0: Yes. There have been people that have fainted before. I don't know who. I don't think they were like Sarah Trot level either. No. But somebody definitely has stopped a rose ceremony with this exact IFI.
1: Is Sarah Trot playing the game too hard at this point? Or is this just part of her perfect game? (laughs) This IFI. I mean... She gets the cliffhanger of the episode with this. They interrupt the structure of the game. They show us this scene at the beginning of the episode.
0: They interrupt the structure of the story they built for this entire fucking week. They were building the Maryland Victoria rivalry. That's where we were going to the end of the ceremony. Which one of them is going to stay and which one's going to get kicked off? She fucking usurps that. She's like, wait a minute. Isn't this whole episode about me fucking? outstanding play and i'm not saying that this was faked i believe she really was about to pass out i think Mm -hmm. everything's getting to her she's standing in this fucking room in a tight dress all the lights all that shit comes into play here i do think this is a real injury
1: yeah she's wearing six inch heels
0: but the timing of it's perfect and she plays it correctly this very easily could have been something that got blown up or really she was like injured she falls off of it she doesn't get that she doesn't get the detriment of really being injured she gets the attention of matt james and cliffhanger the fucking episode
1: for all of these reasons both of our plays of the game a perfectly played date sarah Trot was my m m m m v p
0: She was also my M-M-M-M-M-M-V-P. But she narrowly beat Franco Lacosta.
1: <laughs> her timing, her, the detail of each of these plays, all of her stories are so well-crafted and prepared. She's raising awareness of ALS. She's giving the like basic important facts about that. Just so good.
0: I agree. She is one of the players that's going to define this first year of professional play. That it's not only about all of the players knowing when and how to play things. It's about the top players doing shit perfectly. I mean, just utterly perfect. Every element of this, even the IFI in the end. Which is a -hmm. play that is outside the norm. Usually in a rose ceremony, you're not making a play. You're just standing there waiting for your sentence. She makes a fucking IFI.
1: The biggest play you can make is saying something when you accept your rose. But she already had rose in hand. Rose in pocket, RIP. Which makes
0: the IFI that much more sincere. It's not like she's trying to get his attention to convince him to give her a rose. She already has it. So he knows it's real too in that moment.
1: And it's not that she's insecure about going home.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's perfectly played. Again, I'm not saying it's not real. I think it is real. Nonetheless, in terms of its effect in the game, it is outstanding. And her entire week this week was just top to bottom. One of the best we've ever seen. That fucking one-on-one date, like that to me is historical. That goes up there with any fucking like masterful one-on-one date where it's just nothing's out of place a perfect game really yeah and then in the tag we see back at the flipped over atv matt james performs the incredible hulk maneuver to roll the atv back onto its wheels with the help of only
1: further proves that he could have killed her (laughs) how fucking heavy it is totally (laughs) I mean, that was extraordinary play on Bree's part, rolling with the punches. I mean, she had no choice, but...
0: But that is it for our week one of regular season play. Did not disappoint. Pace Case, I think we're in the greatest season that has ever been played.
1: We saw perfect dates on PP season two, but this is very... This is on the level. I feel like we have several... Madison Pruitt, Sleucyan players here.
0: As do I. I think the top six are just going to be unbelievable. It's going to get very serious in terms of gameplay once we whittle it down to that. Once Victoria is gone, she's kind of the wild card right now. She can take players Mm -hmm. out. We'll see what... I'm so curious to watch her play. Even that, though. Like, she's not a good player, but she's a highly entertaining player.
1: Yeah, she's also, like... (laughs) I don't know what is going on with the costuming here, but she's wearing this very outrageous dress, and you can also see her bra straps, which is pretty uncommon. She's getting the time. She's getting the time, and this is a game of time, as Anna said.
0: She seems almost exclusively to me like a third audience only player. <laughs> the producers are just like, she's fucking great. We got to keep her in the show. Yeah, No one else likes her. Except me.
1: Yeah, she hasn't been getting Instagram gains, but I bet she will still get gains from this. I think I'm biased against her because right before we watched this episode, it was uncovered that there's a photo of her and her precious doodle Coco in a room in a house. And in the background, you can see part of a Trump flag. I guess she's claiming this was her makeup artist's house or something like that, but... It goes along with her not posting about the insurrection, etc.
0: Yeah, I totally believe she's manga at this point. But nonetheless, I'm fascinated by her gameplay style. It's an insurrectionist gameplay style. <laughs> 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 Thank you for joining us for this edition of Game of Roses. It was a pleasure to break this down for you. And. Thank you all, of course, for sending me the delicious tids at Bachelor Clues. Love reading them. It's how I survive. It's the only nourishment I get. And without it, I will die. So please keep sending me the tids.
1: We will be out with our third episode this week on Thursday. That'll be our twibbon this week in Bachelor Nation.
0: A lot of exciting stuff happening in the parasocial world. Joe Park making some very big moves this week on his instagram we will be discussing those and many more and if you haven't checked it out please go to our patreon on monday we posted an episode called the top 10 moments from the christian era and these are kind of the most important plays and players from what we believe is the contemporary christian era which obviously was evidenced tonight with some very strong christian play from lauren and strong christian reactions from matt uh to some ptc's and things so That episode is available, again, on our Patreon. It is patreon.com slash gameofroses. We have not only that episode, but a bunch of other episodes in there at this point, videos, live streams that we do before every show. And it is a growing community of people who want to dive deep into the pit where we are now. And that's where we drop strange videos and songs and all manner of weird things that we find in the pit. So if that sounds fun to you, please join us. And as always, before we go, what is the dwab at?
1: It has been 6,868 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison.
0: Please rate this podcast.
1: Please review this podcast.
0: Now you've heard me talk about Quince on this program before. I love Quince. I am right now, head to toe, dressed in Quince. I got their shirts, I got their pants, I got everything from Quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're gonna have them in that closet forever, unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco friendly fabrics and finishes, so you can feel good about getting high quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com slash roses to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince, q u dot slash roses for free shipping and 365 day returns. quince.com slash roses. who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough. Not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well, if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences, on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus... Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T R Y. F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Try firstleaf.com slash roses.
1: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.